Thank you all. Shabbat shalom, everyone. So, I've been thinking that we live in a, you know, reasonably anxious kind of a world, you know. And the issue is what to do about it as our world grows more and more unstable. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime soon. So I was looking, uh, I wanted to find some, the way people were thinking, so I found this uh, one particular website, and I thought that this, this comment was rather indicative of, of the age. And the person there was commenting, saying this, and it was just, you know, not a religious website or anything, it was just folks out there. And this person said, I have terrible anxiety. Thoughts assault my consciousness all the time. From my perspective, it's as if the world is moving on a frequency that's much faster than I can handle. I wake up in the morning feeling extremely overwhelmed with racing thoughts, and it takes me an hour to get ready without feeling rushed. Knowing I have tasks to complete throughout the day leaves me with such dread that I, I can't enjoy any of it. Even if some of those tasks can ideally be enjoyable. I wonder how many of us feel this way. That our lives are so cluttered with things and so filled with uh, tension just based on all that's going on that we feel this way. That our world is moving too fast. I suppose it's not much of a virtue these days to be patient or to be able to wait. We live in an, an age of instant gratification. In the, time of, in the time of the one image per second. You know what I mean by that? The one image. You ever watch television? You get one image per second when you watch TV. It's pretty much all it is. Watch an old movie, a movie from the 40s, and then watch a movie from now. In the 40s, you'd see two people in a room talking for 20 minutes. Now, it's image after image after image. You can hardly keep track. We live in the age of Twitter, where even our deepest thoughts and the deepest thoughts of the most important people are expressed in less than 140 characters. When our technology changes so quickly, how can we keep up? Listen to this um, comment from an article called, Is Technology Moving Too Fast? It says, technologies with this property of perpetual self-accelerated development, sometimes termed autocatalysis, create conditions that are unstable, unpredictable, and unreliable. And since these particular autocatalytic technologies drive whole sectors of our society, there's a risk that civilization itself may become unstable, unpredictable, and unreliable. Now, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. Since virtually everything that we do is controlled by computers these days. If I, if I asked everybody right now to drop off their cell phone and leave it here, and not come back for a week, you'd all be having a nervous breakdown. 
no likelihood. So, and add to this all of the political instability there is in our world today. I mean, all you got to do is wake up in the morning and open the newspaper and, you know, when I do it, every morning as I take my first cup of coffee, the first word out of my, my mouth is, yikes. And who can, you know, this is the world we live in. And it can be very destabilizing and create fear and anxiety in our hearts. It's as if we live as abused people. Because that's how abused people live. With fear, anxiety, tension, constantly driving. How do we avoid this? How do we solve this terrible problem? There's a portion in the book of 1 Kings in which uh, King David is running away from Saul. He's taken a few men, about 600 actually, and they formed a sort of uh, mercenary army group. And they decide that they're going to leave Israel and they're going to go into the land of Philistia. So they go into the land of Philistia and they make a, a deal with the, with the king there. Basically, he will allow them to live in a portion of his land as long as they sort of work for him and do things, share whatever they, you know, they could steal. So David does that. And he sets up at a place called Ziklag. And there they come with their families, their wives, their children, all of the possessions that they have. Well, one day, David and his boys decide that they're going to go off and do a raid on some neighboring villages of Amalekites, or whoever they were, some ites of some sort. And they do that. But when they get back home, everything they have is gone. Their wives, their children, all of their possessions are gone. Can you imagine how that feels? To have everything you own, everything you, pre you treasure, lost. And David, as the leader, is the one upon whom everyone lays the blame. Not only is David suffering from the loss of his wives and his own children, now every one of those 600 other guys wants to take a piece of flesh from him because it's his fault that they're in the condition that they're in. Now, can you imagine how David must have felt at that moment? All the guys you hope, you, you would expect everyone to come together and, and support one another in a time like that. Instead, they turn on you. His heart must have been, was, I know it was broken. And what did he do? What would we do when we're faced with what we think are over, overwhelming circumstances like this person in the beginning. What can we do when we're feeling hopeless, helpless, afraid? Do we allow fear to dominate our lives? Do we live in constant worry that something bad is going to happen? Instead, 
it says in this portion from from second uh, from first Samuel it says David went and but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God David did not react he went off alone and consulted with Hashem if you want to know the end of the story David God told him to pursue them that he would find them and he did so they found somebody who knew something about it, an Egyptian slave who was a slave of one of the Amalekites and that slave led them to the captors of their children and, and wives and they recovered it all because David strengthened himself in the Lord his God I want us to take a quick look at Psalm 40, if you will, so that we can learn the tools of living confidently, even in the face of overwhelming insanity, the overwhelming chaos that this world throws at us constantly. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. No slides today, kids. I'm staying away from technology moving too fast. So the first thing, you remember this, uh, this person at the beginning that I, uh, whose comment I read, it said, said, I feel extremely overwhelmed, racing thoughts, and even getting ready takes an hour without feeling rushed, that kind of thing. What's the first secret, really? It comes from the first verse, second verse, actually, of Psalm 40. Kavok viti Adonai, I waited hopefully for the Lord. Or I waited patiently. That word, kava, interestingly there, repeated twice, kavokviti, the same word, can be translated hopefully or, and, patient, or, and or patiently. This is our life. So this is the secret, to wait patiently for the Lord. To wait hopefully in God. David consulted, he rested, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God because he went off by himself to a place where he and God could be alone. And that's what we need to do to live in a world that is swirling around us. We need to have time for God in our lives. If we take enough time, the world will slow down and we'll be able to handle all that comes to us. So it tells us to wait hopefully, wait patiently for the Lord. Secondly, it says in verse 3 and following, it says, He brought me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. He made my steps firm because I waited for him. 
because I put my trust in him. The world can swirl around me, but with God, I, am, I, I have the rock. And no matter what happens, and no matter what, and when I say what, I don't even beyond this life, we have security. And he says in verse 4, he says, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. And let me tell you, living a life of praise will help you to get through all the mishagasa of this world. To live a life of joy and praise and hope. You know, I, I, what I got from this, uh, from this comment, another thing I got out of that comment from that person at the beginning, was this sense of depression. Now, I'm, this, I'm no psychiatrist, but I can, I can tell when somebody feels hopeless. When they get no joy out of life. And what we need to do is to see the joy. He put a new song in our mouths. A song of praise. And we need to praise God every single day as part of our, ex- our very existence, the fiber of our being. To praise the Lord. That's why, listen, devout Jews, we pray three times a day, lifting up the name of God. Now, maybe you think you don't have enough time, but you can praise God in your own way at all times with that new song in our mouths. Most of you, I'm sure, know who C.S. Lewis is. He's one of the great Christian apologists of the 20th century and a wonderful uh, writer, if you like his... I love the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, of course, and I read them with my kids. <laughs> uh, every single one of them, you know, it was one of the great times of our lives is to sit there and before bedtime read, read the stories of Chronicles of Narnia. Well, he was a skeptic most of his life. An atheist, he thought, for a large part of that life. But he had friends who were believers and who constantly challenged him with the truth of the gospel. Nevertheless, he resisted for most of his adult life. Not most, I suppose he had a good, good portion of it. But he was well into his 30s, I believe, before this all happened. He's a very smart guy, you know, he taught at Oxford. One of the Magdalene was the college that he taught at, I think. Anyway, uh, this portion I'm going to read, a quote from him, is from his book, Surprised by Joy. And it talks about how it was that he, what happened on that, at that moment when he came to faith. When finally, after all the talking and the letters back and forth with his friends and the debating about the truth of the myth of Yeshua and all the other things I could go on and on and on, um, he said this. He said, you must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene, as the college he taught at, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. 
That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God. And I knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England, the prodigal son at least, walked home on his own feet. But who can duly adore that love which will open the high gates to a prodigal who is brought in kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance to escape? The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. I wish I could write like that. His compulsion is our liberation because he's put a new song in our our mouth. What do we need to fear? Sing louder. You know? Listen, when I used to play with the band, I'm not the greatest guitar player, and, you know, John's got me blown away by a million miles. I mean, uh, so my thing was to play fast and play loud. And sometimes what we need to do is sing hard, sing fast and sing loud and drown out the insanity of this world with God's praise. He put a new song in our mouth, a song of praise to our God. You know, it says in Psalm 22, Elohim yoshev lot Yisrael. You are holy, O God, and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. God is enthroned on our praises. And so we have to lift our voices high, maybe lifted high and lifted up, like that song said. It goes on to say in verse 5 and following, it says, Blessed is the one who, is, who puts his confidence in Adonai, was not turned to the arrogant nor to those who fall in falsehood. Many things you have done, Adonai, my God. Your plans are wonderful. There is none to be compared to you. So I want you to remember how good God is. Listen, one of the things that David could have happened to David surrounded by all of those men who wanted to tear his throat out because they were blaming him in the midst of his own grief about his own wives and children was he could have forgotten all about all the goodness that God had shown toward him. That he was the anointed of the Lord. That God protected him from Saul time and time again. He could have forgotten all of that. Because it's easy when all this craziness is happening to forget, to be enveloped by your fear. But what we need to do is to remember. And let me tell you something about humans. We are the most forgetful of all creatures. Maybe it's because we have just too much going on up here most of the time. I want us to remember Take stock of all the good things that God has done for you. Put them on a piece of paper and slip it in your pocket. 
And when things seem to be going wrong, pull it out. Maybe you'll remember. And in the midst of it all, beginning in verse 10, it says, I proclaimed good news of righteousness in the great assembly. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Talk about it. Listen, what the world needs now is good news. Because there's enough bad news every single day. Let's share good news. Listen, people, if we believe in Messiah Yeshua, we have the answer. We have the answer here. And what we need to do is to share that answer with those who have no answer. That poor person at the beginning, I know the answer for you, my dear. I have the answer to your fears, your anxiety. Don't turn away from it. But how will they believe unless they have heard? Right? And how will they hear without a preacher? So we've got to go out and share what we know with those who do not have it. And believe me, if we occupy ourselves with that, we will do ourselves as much good as we will do others. So let's share his goodness. The last thing I'm going to talk about is a simple thing. Trust in the Lord. Let all of those Excuse me, let me get that. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, Adonai be magnified. Trust in God. Trust in the Lord. Whenever uh, people take our orientation class here, I tell them uh, the same thing. And I want to tell them three things that they need to trust most especially. First thing is your time. Devote time to the Lord. David went alone to be with God. You have to give God time. If you don't, you can't have a relationship with him. Nobody has a relationship with someone with whom they spend no time. I mean, it seems simple, doesn't it? And yet how hard it is for most of us to make the time to be with God regularly. Listen, uh, you know, if you, let's say you wanted to be a marathon runner. What do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to just get up there uh, on the day of the race and start running? I don't think so. You probably go, you know, two feet and fall. I know me, three feet maybe. And I'm falling flat on my face and puffing and puffing, right? No, no. What you do is every day... You run three, four miles, right? You know, you, you, you work your way up to it. You, you build up to it. So it's like any relationship. Any relationship that matters is a matter of time. 
So, you want to be with somebody, you spend a little time with them, they spend a little more time, you get to know each other, all of a sudden the relationship is something else. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with the kind of confidence that you feel when you have that relationship. You listen, my wife and I have been together 42 years, right? And we knew each other when we were kids before that. I have a different kind of feeling when she's with me than I do when, I'm, when she is not. I can, you, know, I, you know, even after all these many years, it, that's just the way it feels. How much more so with Hashem? To know that he's with me, to have the confidence that God is with me no matter what the circumstances might actually be. That doesn't come because today I need it. You know, God, I neglect you all the time, but today I need you, so let's go. It doesn't, no. Mm -mm. Good luck with that. You know, David could turn to the Lord in that moment because he turned to the Lord all the time. He turned to the Lord all the time. So it was no... It, was, it wasn't strange or unusual. And he would know that the Lord would answer. Our tithe is the second thing I tell people. To give of ourselves to the Lord, to know that he, we are dependent on him, not on ourselves. Because the minute we decide that we are self-reliant, then we turn away from God. So that means we give a portion of ourselves back to God. Just as we give a portion of our time. Listen, I can tell everything I need to know about you if you give me uh, your checkbook and your calendar. All right? Because then I know how you spend your money and I know how you spend your time, which are your two most precious possessions. Or at least most people feel that way. So it's easy. If we give a portion of ourselves back to the Lord, it tells us, tells me, that my dependence is on him. It doesn't tell God anything because he doesn't need anything. But it tells me something that I need to know. That my security does not come from everything I have to do today. It comes from him. And I can rely on that every single day. The last one is talent. I am going to give myself and what I can do to the Lord. Now maybe all of y'all won't become rabbis or anything like that. That might be going a little too far, but I don't expect people to be as radical as me, necessarily. But if we don't give a, our, that, that which God has given to us as gifts back, how worthy are we? You see, by wrapping myself up in God, by giving him my time, my tithe, my talent, I demonstrate that I trust him. 
And when I trust him and I know about that trust, I am secure. I am secure in a world that is flying apart. As the Messiah, she would told us all these crazy things that we're seeing happening in the world today are were going to happen. Nothing should be no surprises here, not particularly. He also said this, when you see these things happening, look up. Because your redemption draws near. No worries. We live in confidence, in faith, when we put our faith in the Lord. When we strengthen ourselves in God. May God give us the power to strengthen ourselves in him. And may, and let us, in the words of Psalm 22, May God be enthroned on our praises. Amen. Congregation, let's, I tell you what, let's praise the Lord, huh? How about that?